Mac Power Users, episode 488, How We Communicate. Hello and welcome to Mac Power Users. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett. And I didn't realize until I read that first part out loud that the title and the episode rhyme this week, which is kind of a charming way to start, don't you think, David? I think that's the way we need to start every show for now oh, on no. for the next 400. <laughs> that's a... That's a big promise, and we only have so many digits. Like you're, we're going to run out of rhyming words quickly. I think that though that should be your job. You should be the one to come up. Oh with man, the... that I, I'm not going to endorse that promise. But if it happens accidentally from time to time, I think it's a nice surprise. All right, it's just a, a fun gift. Okay. Well, speaking of gifts, communication isn't that a gift every day? Being able to communicate with the world on that little thing in your pocket. It can be. I mean, most days it is. Some days it's not. Not every but day. But most days it's awesome. <laughs> not every day. Not every day. <laughs> and that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about. I feel like this episode really is sort of a nice capstone of, of like the last six months on MPU where we've touched this topic a couple of different times in talking about the apps that we use and the services we have, but we haven't really gotten into it. And that's what we're going to do today. Uh, but first, I do have a, a little request for our listeners. David, this isn't for you, so I guess... You stick your fingers in your ears and just come back nah, in a nah, minute nah, or two. Nah. You always say na 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 the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as, as listeners know, we have MPU 500 coming up. We're going to be recording that live at MacStock in July. It'll be out in the feed a couple of weeks later. And uh, I want to hear from listeners looking uh, to have questions asked of David about the show, about um, you know how awesome Star Trek is. No, we're not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> questions about MPU, questions about David's work over the years, things you've wanted to ask him. Uh, it's going to be a segment in this show. So uh, there's a really easy way to get these questions to me. You don't have to fax them to me or anything. But you can just tweet with the hashtag MPU500, just MPU500. Uh, make that a hashtag, and I have a little uh, Zapier automation that's going around Twitter and searching for those. There will also be in the forums a thread that I will have up by the time that this episode goes up where you can ask me there as well, because I know not everyone is on Twitter. Or of course, you can you can always email me as well. Uh, we're going to talk about email here in a second, but you can uh, shoot me these emails as well. And I'm going to kind of comb through these and try to pick some, some uh, trends and topics out of these questions, some specific questions that uh, we can talk about at MPU 500. So I would really appreciate uh, that input because I, I, for one, want, want this episode to be a celebration of our community, and I, I can't think of a better way to do that if I can't shoot David out of a cannon, which the people at MacStock told me explicitly I could not do that. So with that off the table, I figure this was uh, the next best thing. So if you have any questions about the show, about David's work, please let me know. I'd appreciate it. I think uh, cannon would be kind of fun, to tell you the truth. I think it, you know, I think um, I think it's really important what's at the other end of it. Yeah, the, l- the landing part is tricky. Obviously, yes. we'd have a net or something soft, you know, like a, a jumpy castle, maybe something. But I was told uh, that we couldn't do that. Yeah. So. I um, I have to say, in 10 years, I've never had a show of MPU where I had no role in the planning of it. This will be the first one. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how to feel about that. I, I don't know if I, f- I should be putting something together or... Uh, I'm a little nervous, to tell you the truth. Oh, man, you're in good hands. All right. You're in good hands. Okay. Uh, but today, uh, I did have a role in this one. We're, so we're talking about communications. And the funny thing is, um, I, I do think that 
communications and digital communications, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this show is I think both of us have thought a lot about it over the last year or so. And, and I know I have really changed a lot of my habits uh, as more tools have become available. And I've thought more, I guess, in a grown-up fashion about how much communication I want to do. I think that's definitely been true for me. I think things and like systems I had in place or apps I used, even when I went independent four years ago, they haven't held up over time as I've added bigger projects and new shows and just as life has changed. And so I think that's, I'm right there with you where things that I used to do or assumptions I used to make about how I want to communicate or how I should be available to other people, which is a huge part of this of, you know, how, how do I signal to the outside world that you can bother me? And, and how can I signal that now is not a good time to bug me? Like, all of that stuff is is complex, but the technology we have in a lot of ways makes it easier than ever to sort of set this up. But at the same time, technology always brings complication with it. And there's always pros and cons to various apps and systems. And I think a lot of people kind of struggle with like too many inboxes or too, too many ways in, you know, uh, too many things to check throughout the day. And that's some, that is in particular something I really think about. Uh, if, as I go around and check my my various inboxes, if you will, trying to narrow those down or trying to to funnel certain types of communication into certain places has really helped me feel less overwhelmed with this stuff. And I think that uh, we'll get, we will get into that uh, as we go through this through this outline. Yeah, if you apply your Mac Power user superpowers, this is a system you can game. And I think that uh, one of the goals of this show is to talk about how you and I have used our nerdy superpowers to try and tame the wild beast. And we've got mm-hmm. some real good ideas, so hopefully this show helps you out. But I think to begin with, it starts with email. The point I wanted to make is it's no longer just email. I mean, for the longest time, digital communication was email. And totally. And so often, I bet when you heard the, you dear listener, when you heard the title of the show, you're like, oh, another email show. Well, email's a part of it, but... Uh, one of the things I think you need to get through your head is email isn't necessarily the only part, isn't necessarily even the biggest part, and certainly not necessarily the best part. Uh, but the uh, but it is a part. You know, it's funny. Uh, I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but when I worked for the Salvation Army for a long time, we used Lotus Notes internally, which is just a yeah. real dated platform. And so digital communication within that organization, at the time at least, was just email. Right. Like that was the only official method. And if you had something like instant message or something, it was outside the purview of Lotus Notes and therefore actually like against policy because they wanted everything retained yeah. for legal purposes. And I haven't thought about that in a long time because that's so different from how I work today. But I think it's true, especially like in the corporate world where email still has power over everything else. And I think that's why you see services like Slack and others, which we'll get to, kind of trying to disrupt that. But email is definitely the the heart of it still for a lot of people. Yeah. But, but now there's compartmentalization and specialization and communication tools like Slack, like some of the tools we're going to talk about in this episode, where I think if you give some, some real thought, if you, you sit down and, and think about the types of communication you do and what is the best platform for those communications, I think you can actually get a little more sanity in your life. And we have strategies, um, but let's start with email. I mean, is email evil? <laughs> I mean, that's a thought. No. I think a lot of people think that. It's just, it's terrible. Email is terrible. It's evil. No, it's not. I think email, like all these other systems, have has pros and cons. I think, uh, actually, I think a huge pro 
in email is that it's asynchronous. Yeah. You know, when you're on iMessage or in Slack, at least for me, there is uh, some sense of this person is going to get back to me pretty quickly. And email, at least from my point of view, doesn't have that. If someone doesn't email me back for a few hours or a few days, rarely does that enter my mind of, oh, they're <laughs> they're avoiding me or they don't want to answer. It, it feels like it's it's less of a back and forth. And uh, maybe that's not true in every company culture, but I think it's true for the way I work. And honestly, I think that's a pro for email that just quite isn't there in some of these other systems. Yeah, I would argue that it's not that it's just asynchronous, but there is a generally accepted expectation that it's asynchronous. And mm-hmm. and I know you, you said earlier, I mean, there we hear from listeners who work for bosses that send an email and, and then call you five minutes later if you haven't responded to the email. And sure. I feel very sorry for you when you're dealing with that because you will never get any serious work done if that's the expectation your company's putting on you. But um, for most people, I agree. I think there's this, this general accepting that a... You know, for lack of a better analogy, an email is a letter in your mailbox and you're not expected to stop at the mailbox, write a reply and send it right back before you go back in the house. And I like that. I think that's something that's good about email. Um, It's non-urgent. That is the way, you know, it's uh, in some ways it's it's a great way to share um, documented communications, you know, putting my lawyer hat on. I mean, there are things you want to do when you say to people that you want them in a writing and in the mm-hmm. olden days it always had to be a letter and now an email is generally accepted i i just had a conversation with a lawyer this morning where he made an agreement with me about something that affects one of my clients and as soon as i hung up the phone i wrote him an email confirming that and now we've got a written agreement on that and that's something that i need to have um email is also great um, because it's got all the pipes connected to it for making items actionable or traceable to later. I mean, I can I can get an email-based task into OmniFocus with a keystroke, whereas with some of the other platforms we're going to talk about today, it takes more work. So th- there's a lot to like about email, um, but there's things to not like about it too, because you know it's been massively abused by digital marketing, you know, and um, I'm not talking about the lovely handcrafted Max Sparky newsletter you get occasionally, <laughs> um, but I am talking about the, you know, just the flood of unsolicited email that shows up every day if you don't have a system to deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> that has uh, has really increased for me over the years, and, and I feel like my work email has ended up in some sort of list somewhere that spawns other lists and it's just, it's out of control. And it's stuff that doesn't necessarily get triggered by like my spam filter. Like it doesn't end up in there. It still ends up in my inbox. That's where something like Samebox or another system can come in for me and, and help sort through that. But the, the signal to noise is the worst I feel like in email. I, I don't, or I should say I've extremely rarely get an, an iMessage from somebody who I don't know who is unwanted. Part of that is uh, the way I have uh, iMessage set up, which I w- actually want to talk about in a little while. But you know, sometimes I feel like an email, I, I have to do some digging through the junk to get the things that I, I want to see. And that does turn me off to it. I think it turns a lot of people off to it. We all see screenshots of someone having um, you know, uh, 42,000 unread emails on their iPhone. It's like, what are you doing? Like, well, it, you know, it's all junk. And if, if they really need something, they'll find me another way. I see how people... 
get to that. And uh, it makes me sad that, that that's how people have to deal with it. But it's definitely a, a con when it comes to, to email. Yeah, I, I've used Spamsy for a long time. It's a great app mm-hmm. if you're using Apple Mail to, um, and it works with other third party apps to, to kind of filter it out. So I actually don't see most of that stuff. Another cool trick I would recommend if you're having, um, I guess you call it bacon instead of spam. It's the stuff that you, you've signed up for some company and all of a sudden they just seem to be sending you a lot. Make a smart folder in your mailbox, in your mail application, for any email containing the word unsubscribe. And then just take a look in there and you'll see a bunch of stuff. And then you can just sit there in front. If you've got a laptop, you can sit in front of the TV and just go through that and unsubscribe to a bunch of them. And, and, you know, there's a difference between unsubscribing to, uh, you know, a company that you normally do business with versus some stranger on the internet. Some of those unsubscribe buttons are just telling them that there's a human there and it's going to make it worse for you. (laughs) But if it's a company that has a brick and mortar store that you've got it and you've legitimately shopped online there before you can't unsubscribe to those. Uh, but, but yeah, so you can, you can conquer that a little bit, but I, I do think email is not evil. Like, like Steven said, um, I think it's something you need to kind of master on your own terms. I think in fact, the, the message throughout this episode is each one of these platforms, figure out how to make them work for you instead of against you. Mm-hmm. And, um, with email in particular, I have, you know, anybody who's listened to the show for any length of time knows that I go through these periods where I'm unhappy with Apple mail and I try to figure out the best tools. Uh, but I thought maybe we're not going to make this a whole email episode, but just in this segment, at least let's talk a little bit about how we're dealing with it. Okay. And, uh, something on your list that's on mine as well as Sanebox, which granted is a sponsor, but sure. let's just talk a little bit about how we're using it. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I really use two Sandbox features the most. And, you know, Sandbox has this really clever system where you don't have to have something running on your Mac all the time, or you don't have to forward your email to some weird account and it sends it back. It, it's kind of working at the account level to create a bunch of uh, folders that have special powers. And the two I use the most are Sane Later and Sane Black Hole. So Sane Later does a good job at those newsletters. For me, I get a lot of emails of, uh, it's a legitimate email, but it's from a press or person or a company that I don't work with, don't want to work with. You know, it, it's it's a real email, but it's not something I want. And saying later does a really good job at capturing all those in a folder. And then at the end of the day or the end of the week, I can go through there and just kind of deal with them. And a bunch of them end up in the same black hole, which is a folder that if email goes into that, uh, they, kind of their tagline is like, you never hear from that person again. And that is really nice because... While a lot of these have unsubscribe links, a lot of these like PR press emails, at least I get, this is very specific to me, which I apologize for, but a lot of these emails actually don't have unsubscribe links because they're just like kind of form emails sent out by, you know, a PR rep and they, they're doing their job and they mean well, and I understand that, but um, I'm not particularly interested. And so I can move that to the same black hole and they can email me forever I just won't ever see it again. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's pretty nice. Samebox has a lot of stuff of like, hey, if you know this person hasn't emailed me back in a week, drop a reminder in my inbox, that sort of thing. I don't do much of that. I don't do much snoozing of email where this is in my inbox, but I, I don't want to see it. I want it back in my inbox on Monday. I used to do more of that, and I've kind of gotten out of the habit because – it was a way for me to like shuffle problems around without dealing with them. And now if I'm if this is an email and I can't deal with it until Monday, I create a task for Monday to deal with it. And then I I, I it comes back around that way. So so that's kinda it's kinda where I am with Sandbox. 
Yeah, for me, it just depends. Like, I will use that um, remind me feature with email. Like, often I will send an email to someone. Like, I'll send a contract to a client, and I will send a reminder, like, you know, one week at sanebox.com. And that way, if the client doesn't write me back about something I sent them, it lets me know, as opposed to me creating an OmniFocus entry. And the reason I do that is because it's so much faster to do it there mm-hmm. than to create the OmniFocus entry. And it's just one of those things where it's more efficient. In terms of boxes, I have more than you. Like I even created one for customer feedback because I sell stuff. And um, and I just started putting any email that came in from a customer about feedback into that same folder. And it's remarkably, it's spooky how good it got at just figuring out when strangers that have never emailed me before send me an email, but it's about feedback or a, mm. a problem on a product. It's amazing how much how often they end up in there. So, and the whole idea is getting that signal to noise thing you were talking about earlier. So, when you look in your inbox, you see the truly urgent, and then you can manage how you see the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And another thing I wanted to talk about with email is just you know I've I've been on this train for years trying to find the perfect iOS e- email client. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've never really been unhappy with Apple Mail on the Mac because I Apple script the heck out of it. I keyboard maestro the heck out of it. I mean, I make the app work for me, but I um, was never very good at finding stuff that I thought was really useful in the um, on the other end about with the um, with the iOS stuff. So I go on the spirit quest. I, I download all the email apps and they all make me angry. They're unstable. They have a problem. Uh, the features they add aren't really that useful or they're buggy. And, and I've just kind of found peace with it, Steven. I mean, I feel like the last six months where I'm just using Apple mail. And uh, one of the things I decided to do was I'm going to stop using my phone as a email device. Okay. You know, um, and so to get to mail on my phone now, you've got to open a folder and go to the second page of it. And that, you know, the, so I don't look at it, the icon at all. If a client texts me, I just had yesterday a client text me and say, hey, I need this thing. And I sent it to them like a week ago. So I went ahead and dug out and I was out with my family. Uh, so I went ahead and dug out the email application. I found the prior email and forwarded it to her. Um, and so I can do stuff like that with it. If I get in a jam, I'm not deleting the app, but I'm just not thinking about the phone as an email place. Um, uh, and then on Apple mail on, on iPad, I'm pretty good with that app. And I know there's features that it's missing, but I can still get what I need out of it. And, uh, this new thing coming with iOS 13, where the flag colors will coordinate is actually a big deal for me because I've always used flags on iPad. If there's something that was just too complicated to do on iPad, yeah. maybe I need, I needed to find a link to some Dropbox file that I didn't have on the iPad or whatever, you know, um, or if I wanted to do some kind of heavy duty processing on an email, um, maybe I wanted to get, you know, whatever. There are some times it just doesn't make sense on the iPad. I would flag it, but now I can color sync those flags so I can have, you know, blue is a Max Sparky customer thing, red is a legal thing. So I've got these different colors now. And I, I only have iOS 13 on one iPad, but I can already see the benefit of being able to to color the flags hmm. and then just, you know, archive them. And then I go back to my Mac and clear out those flags by the end of the day. That That is exactly how I use flags. So uh, I very rarely set a flag when I'm, when I'm on my Mac. If I do, it's I'm getting ready to leave the office and this is something I need to take care of. Not necessarily immediately or again, I would I would take the time to put it in my task list, but this is something that, you know, you need to look at when you get back. But most of the time I'm I'm out on my phone or I'm on my iPad and 
yeah, this is a little more involved than what I want to get into in my current context. Or maybe I need a file that's just on my desktop or, you know, sometimes it's just nicer to have a big screen and a keyboard to kind of deal with something. And so the flag is just a, a little notification of, hey, this is something you need to do when you're in the office. And I use them pretty sparingly. So when I know if there's a flag in something in my inbox that it yeah. is important, I, I don't let those... I don't hand those out very freely, yeah. and it's a nice way, just like a little a little note to myself in the future, hey, this is something you need to deal yeah. with. Yeah. Another really cool trick I use, and I'll put a link in the show notes, I, I have an Apple script. I uh, I actually got the idea from a listener. So I have an Apple script where I just, it's it's programmed into Text Expander. So if I just type E-L-I-N-K, E-Link, in any place on my Mac, it embeds a link to the currently selected mail message. And I find all sorts of uses for that. Like a lot of times I will log communications over some, you know, uh, legal matter I'm working on. I'll have an Apple note that said, you know, we log, I'll log in there. Hey, I talked to this guy about that or whatever. And some often it'll relate to an email. I just type e-link and I know you could drag and copy it in and whatever, but, but just having the ability to embed a link to that mail message anywhere is really useful. I do it in OmniFocus. I do it all sort. I do it all over my Mac mm -hmm. and it's really nice to have that. I, I want to take a look at, because Siri shortcuts is quite a bit more powerful now. I want to see if I can build something for that for iOS 13 to have a similar function where I can drop a link anywhere. And I do much, well, that's another reason why I use Apple Mail, because I like the Apple Mail message link system. When you go to these third-party apps, you have to use their app on the Mac in order to get those links to work. And I don't want that. I want it to work anywhere I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, um, I, I, I feel like I'm in a good place with email right now, frankly. Um, uh, I've got some great automation stuff I've put together over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm not going to keep looking over the fence at other mail apps until somebody tells me there's something amazing out there. Of course, I will look at it. But the um, but <laughs> you're only human, right? Yeah, like I know, but that's just me. I mean, that's why you listen to the show, right? Because I always run down those rabbit holes. But the um, uh, but in, in general, I feel like I, I'm getting good work out of Apple Mail. And one of the keys for me was that decision to say, why am I even thinking about trying to have a good mail experience on the phone? the phone keyboard is terrible for email. So why am I even thinking about it? Hmm. And, um, and it really, I, when I, when I really thought about it, I'm like, I almost never write mail on the phone anyway. It's not like it was a big decision that I was a, a serial email person on the phone. No, I never really did it. I spent more time thinking about having a great app on it than actually doing email on the phone. Hmm. Yeah, for, for me, the, the phone is kind of the first line of defense when it comes to email. And uh, I only have, notifications on for a select v number of VIPs. David, you are one of them now, as we spoke about Yay. recently. Yeah, I, <laughs> I felt much better when you and, said um, that. And so I, and I, I haven't abused it, right? I haven't abused it. Yeah, no, you, you, I've gotten no email from you. But uh, yeah. so it's not something that I necessarily answer a lot of email on the phone, but I do sort of monitor it. And if something comes in that needs to be addressed, at least I'm aware of it. And that, that's more of a fear of missing things than necessarily like, like nothing bad has happened, but I kind of like having the um, having that first line. I thought it was interesting when we got the mail from Apple about uh, going to WWDC. I didn't see it for several hours, but I called you and you had already seen it. Mm -hmm. You were you were on top of it. You had a better system for getting that stuff. <laughs> I keep mail open all day. I know there are people who sort of preach that you should have mail open, you know, for 10 minutes at the end of every hour or from only between 3 and 4 p.m. And the reality is, like, the way Relay works, 
I I kind of need to have, keep my eye on my inbox. And, you know, I take pride in if we have a listener that has a problem with their membership or something, how quickly we respond to those. And, and that's me. You know, if, if you have a problem with something with Relay, it comes to me. And uh, and so I keep uh, I keep a close eye on that stuff, and that does mean that when something like an Apple press invite comes in, that I'm freaking out, basically way sooner than most other people. But now they're a VIP for me. I don't know if that VIP will ever get triggered again. But I'm ready, baby. I'm ready. If you're listening, Apple, I've made you a VIP. So just you know, if you ever want to invite me again, that's oh, yeah. that's cool. No, I did the same thing. I was like, yep, this is a VIP, and like if it ever happens again. I will know immediately. Um, <laughs> see, I, I feel like you and I are kind of on the same page with email. You know, one thing we we didn't really talk about, I don't know how much there is here, but, you know, I have specific accounts. I have a personal account. I have a Relay FM account. And then I have an account for, like, my blogging and YouTube and sort of other stuff. I'm very careful when I send email that it comes for, it goes from the right account. I don't like mixing things in between the inboxes. And there are a lot of people, depending on their context – of me, you know, if, if they just work with me in my relay capacity, they don't know my other email addresses. I, I deal with them only yeah. from my uh, relay address. And I'm sure that's important for you with the law stuff as well. Now, and that's another reason why I like Apple Mail is that it, it actually uses some intelligence to address emails from the appropriate account automatically. And it's usually right. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it's not, I've set up a super keyboard shortcut. It's another post on Max Market. This one goes back like probably over five years, but I have a simple keyboard shortcut that just changes the from account. So if I look up and it, I'm writing a legal one and it's got the Max Sparky address, I press one keyboard combination and then it's uh, then it readdresses the emails from my legal account. And just, I, I wasn't finding simple ways to do that in the third party apps. And even though they had some cool tools, like the stuff I need to actually get my work done it was actually more complicated. Sure. And we we met, we we glossed over VIPs, but VIPs are great. If you're using Apple Mail, you should use VIPs. And let's just leave it at that. But, <laughs> so so I think we're we're both pretty happy with uh, email at this point, and and it is a communication tool, but it's not the only one. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Enter offer code MPU at checkout to get ten percent off your first purchase. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with the, a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog. You know, let's just say we're done with that nonsense where somebody charges you thousands of dollars to make a mediocre website. I had a, an attorney friend recently call me. He was complimenting my website for my law practice. He thought it was really great. He wanted to hire I'm holding up air quotes right now. My guy he says, I need your guy. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, my website's junk and, and he paid $12,000 for his website. I asked, you know, and it, it was, Ooh. it was garbage. It was like, you know, one of those things where we are results oriented, blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole thing that you see at every lawyer website and it's all noise and no substance, you know? So anyway, I, I started talking to him. He lost his mind, you know, <laughs> he's like, wait a second, what's going on here? So I told him, no, it's Squarespace. You know, with Squarespace, you get award-winning 24-7 customer support. Uh, you can get the domain name right there. So you just go to one place. It's all connected. And they've got those award-winning templates that are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Uh, often when someone goes through the Squarespace awakening with me, I will sit down with them and show them how to do it. 
uh, my buddy actually just logged on, set up his account. And like in a few days, he called me and said, hey, go check out my new website. And he had done it all on his own. Uh, this is not a nerd. This is not somebody who listens to Mac power users, but it doesn't matter. Squarespace, anybody that can turn a computer on can honestly build a website with it. It's great. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Mac power users. In fact, I had him use MPU because I know my buddy's also kind of cheap. And uh, even though he doesn't listen to the show, we totally got credit for it because he used MPU <laughs> and he got his 10% off. But uh, he made a really nice website and um, you can too. And whether you're building one, like I said, because you're having a new baby or you're starting a new business, Squarespace can handle it for you. So once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU, the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. And we thank Squarespace for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Okay, so let's let's talk about uh, messaging. And I think this is sort of a broad topic. Uh, I, maybe we start with kind of where we see iMessage and like Apple messages stuff and then move on, uh, move on from there. Can I ask you a question? Um, sure. I mean, when did you first realize that it was something that you need to be doing? Because I distinctly remember. I'm wondering if you do, too. I, I do, too. I remember extremely specifically. Um, I grew up in the uh, AOL Instant Messenger era, which will date me depending on what yeah. side of my age you're on. Yeah. But uh, – and I, I remember signing up for my first AIM account uh, basically the, the the day I moved into my college dorm. We didn't have internet access at home in high school. I just had it, you know, when I was at school, so I didn't have any sort of messaging account. And at that point, my friends had been on AIM for several years, and it just instantly opened up a world to me to keep up with people and talk to people just on my laptop, you know, you know, my friends who were now scattered to the wind for college. I remember it very distinctly. And in that era, text messages were something that you had to pay for. You know, you got minutes and you had a number of texts. And if you went over it, your bill went up. And so I didn't really send hardly any text messages for a long time. It was all AIM for years and years. Yeah, for me, it was my, my family. My wife is Filipina, and uh, we have a bunch of Filipino friends that always come over and visit, and a lot of them have relatives back in the PI. And uh, so they're, this is like years ago, but they would come over and they would text message constantly because that was an easy way to communicate with their family and friends back there. And then uh, like the same week, I was in the middle of a trial. I don't know. Like I said, this is probably 15 years ago, maybe longer. When I first started practicing, whenever you know, witness management is always like the hard thing in trial. You've got someone back at the office who's calling the witnesses and trying to make sure they're not stuck in a traffic or whatever. And the guy in the black robe is saying, hey, where's your witness? And then you're in trouble if the witness isn't there. And so we would get these breaks and you'd run out of the room and you'd like, use the phone. You'd be calling people all the time to try and figure out where they are. Mm -hmm. I don't know how people did it before cell phones, but the, um, uh, but then I realized, wait a second, my uh, assistant back at the office can be doing all of that for me. And she can text me in court because it's not, you know, it doesn't make any noise and I can have updated information all the time. And it was like, it was like the world opened to my brain. I don't know why it took me uh, something like that to figure it out, but mm. But text messaging is more than just, you know, asking, you know, your spouse to pick up cookies on the way home from work. It's, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that's the most important part, perhaps, if you're hungry. But yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
people, I mean, people my age are, and probably older than me too, things like uh, iMessage or, or SMS text messaging, that's the default for a lot of people. You know, people yeah. my parents' age, like if you look at my call history, it's mostly my parents. <laughs> you know, it's it's not my buddy from college I keep up with. It's not my brother who's the same age as me. It's, you know, it's it's a generational change, I think. For better or for worse, we you know that's an argument for a different time, I think. But yeah, iMessage in particular has really made that even stronger in my mind because it gives you those conversations on your iPhone, on your iPad, on your Mac. Messages opens at login on my Mac, and it's you know it stays synced up. And it is there are some people in my life like I communicate with them online one hundred percent over messages. And, uh, you know, if we go to have lunch, we've scheduled that over messages, right? We don't, yeah. don't necessarily talk on the phone. And, uh, I think Apple's done a good job with what they've done with the messages platform as a, um, as a, uh, a fun, like kind of a fun superset on top of, you know, regular text messages. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot, I mean, we, we complain about Apple often on the show about different things, but I think messages is one thing they've really got right. I mean, I think the security model with the end-to-end encryption is great. Uh, I think the way they've tried to allow you through both emoji and memoji and, you know, all the other things they've added to it to allow you to get a little bit out of that one dimension that you get with text, uh, making it fun. And, and, you know, obviously that's because a lot of people are using it. They know everybody's using it, but they, they've put effort into making messaging better. There's a couple things about messaging that are different than email that I wanted to discuss. And one of them is to kind of go back to the idea of asynchronicity, uh, the idea that when you send a message, you expect a reply sooner than you do with an email. And I'd actually like to question that because I know a lot of people have the expectation of an immediate response, but I don't. And so uh, that's one way I try to control things is I don't feel compelled to immediately respond to messages. I do leave the badge on. Uh, that's one of the few apps that I badge, but uh, so I will get to it. But I like I was just out with family uh, shortly before we recorded this a few days. It was Father's Day and I was out with my kids and I was having a good time and I had a client sending me some messages and you know, I looked down, saw who they were from. I didn't read them, and I just left them there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, this is a, a day for Father's Day. I'm not going to be dealing with this right now. Um, so I, I, I do question the idea of immediate response with messages. Yeah, that's a personal thing, I think. I mean, I definitely have yeah. other people in my life who feel the way you do, and then I've got other people who, if I send them a message and they don't answer pretty quickly, <laughs> I was like, oh, what's wrong? You know, because they're, they're, they're fast. And I tend to be on the faster yeah. end of things. Uh, as well for for whatever reason, but uh, messages does make it easy. You know, if you just want to glance, especially if you're wearing an Apple Watch, uh, messages I think is really powerful there because you can just kind of keep yeah. tabs on things and then move on. I totally agree, and, and I guess the point I'd make I don't think there's a right answer here, um, but you should be deliberate about your answer. You know, whether messages is something that you respond quickly or something that you feel comfortable not responding quickly, mm-hmm. but you know, give some thought to it. And, and I really like the idea of um, using messages, particularly with friends and family, like uh, with the, the communications Stephen and I have uh, related to, we have two kinds of communications. I mean, we, we're buddies, so we communicate about friend stuff, 
but we also are partners in this podcast and we communicate about professional stuff. And the, the method we use is, and we never really had this discussion, but I think we both kind of fell into this is if it's something about the show, we message in Slack and we'll talk about Slack in a little bit later. We have a platform for that, but when we're messaging each other just about, you know, friendly stuff, it usually comes in messages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I do that with several people and it, it means a lot. It means like clarity for me. You know, are we talking about work? Are we talking about friendship stuff? And things can kind of get overridden one by the other. And so it's nice to have separate lanes. Um, yeah. Uh, be, before we uh, – I want to talk more about kind of how we're using messages in different contexts. But I think one one thing people really get frustrated with in messages are things like uh, split threads where you're responding to somebody and then all of a sudden you get an, another text from that person. And though it's the same person, you sort of have two threads going on. And Apple's gotten a lot better at merging those over time. Generally, what's happening there is that someone's quote caller ID in their messages settings is set incorrectly. The way I use messages is I just have my phone number enabled. You can't send me an iMessage to an email address that I own. I won't get it because I don't have those those emails enrolled in iMessage. And that, that has a couple of benefits. One, uh, it's not – well, a, my email is public, and the email that I use for iMessage is – pretty uh, easily guessable. And so I don't want random people messaging me. I had that happen twice uh, years ago. And I was like, nope, turning this off. There's a privacy thing there. But also it means that if I start a new thread with somebody, it's always going to be from my phone number. And so I don't run the risk of creating uh, these these fractured threads. But for instance, my dad for a long time, his phone was set up to send from his phone number, but his iPad was set up to send from his email address. And one day I was at his house and I just like picked up his iPad and fixed it. I didn't even tell him. I was like, oh, nope, done. They're all coming from the same place now. Yeah. Uh, and so that's something you can look look at your settings and messages on your phone, on your iPad, on your Mac. Uh, make sure that you have the the same number or the same email address. They're all checked. You have them in the order you want them. And an- another feature that I actually really like, and it's new as of I don't know, maybe a year ago, is messages in the cloud. And this was a, a new feature that was supposed to come out with iOS 12, and then it was a little bit later. But it does a, a, a better job at syncing message history across devices. It used to be that you'd pick up your iPad, and if it had been offline for a while, maybe in your backpack, it wouldn't have your most recent messages. And yeah. Messages in the Cloud does a, a better job at keeping those in sync. It's not perfect. I've had it hiccup a few times, but it's better and now the Mac still does the silly thing that when you log into your Mac, you know, Monday morning, uh, all your messages are going to zip around and like the sidebar is going to change a bunch as, as it loads in three days of messages. I wish they handled that more gracefully. Yeah. And you get all, yeah, notifications like just pour in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they should make that better on the Mac. But uh, I, I do feel like I can go from my iPad to my phone to my Macs much more fluidly and quickly. And messages is like always synced up. And so if you haven't tried that yet... I think it's worthwhile if, if all your devices support it. So you got to be on iOS 12. And I, I think Mojave, uh, I think you have to be on Mojave to, to support it. But it is, uh, it's a nice feature. It's one that makes it, it, it kind of makes the benefit of messages being cross-platform makes that stronger. And it's, it's a feature that I really like, that I'm going to be having a conversation and pick it up later on another device. Again, just like email, just like Slack, just like something else. And I guess a, a related point I'd make is if you haven't been paying attention, Apple messages has a lot of features. Mm-hmm. We could really do a whole show on that. Maybe we will at some point. We're not going to do it today though. We've got a lot to cover already. Uh, but if you use messages, you should learn those features 
because uh, the threading, the group messaging, there's a bunch of stuff in there that you can really help manage communications. I mean, one of the messages I'd like to get out of today is this stuff is in your control. You can ignore threads and messages. You know, um, there's things you can do to to make this more manageable and more on your terms, but you just got to learn those features. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges I have with messages, like I like them for friends and family. Try not to do business through messages uh, because it's really hard for me to process that on the legal side. I mean, I can do it. Obviously, I know the share button exists and I can put them into OmniFocus tasks and do other things with them. But it it is it's more um, it's just more difficult than doing it through mail or through some platform like I use Basecamp or um, and and I just don't really like the idea of clients sending me um, substantive communications via text. So I try to avoid it, although fortunately, a lot of them have my cell phone numbers so some of them feel free to do it. Mm hmm. And then that's that causes all sorts of issues. Sometimes I have to screenshot things. Sometimes I have to, like I said, share the message and, and mm-hmm. do all kinds of other nonsense. But uh, so I, I try to avoid that when I can. That 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 is one thing about the messages I'm not a super fan of. Yeah, I, I can see that sort of use case being uh, not as nice as something like email. But I, I think for people with, without that need, I think people again, it just comes down to maybe where you are. Maybe it's age. Maybe it's culture. Like the, like here. In the U.S., uh, messages dominates, but in, in yeah. most of the rest of the world, platforms like WhatsApp and even Facebook Messenger and others dominate, right? So it's all yeah. relative to a degree. But I think some things we've talked about, like speed of response, I think something like red receipts, having those on or off, that sets an expectation for the other person. So I have read receipts off by default on all of my devices. And uh, on iOS, you have a little more fine-grained control. On the Mac, you can go into like a thread or go into a person and, you know, hit details. And then you can say, send read receipts per person. So on, on the on the iPhone and iPad, it's a little bit simpler. Uh, I have read receipts on for my wife and I think maybe Mike, but that is, uh, that's it. Uh, because... Very often I am recording or I'm doing something that uh, if there's going to be a delay, like there, there is some sort of expectation, some sort of cultural thing where, oh, you have your read receipt on, so I know you read it, but you haven't responded yet. And again, maybe that's an age thing or whatever it is, but that's a weird space to be in. And so I just don't want to put people there. And and it gives me the freedom to answer much later if I need to. So I have those off for, for just about everybody. And um, and that's something, too, that if you have them on by default and you feel like you're sort of overwhelmed or feeling like you're kind of drowning in, in messages, that may take some of the pressure off. I, I would encourage you to explore unchecking that box and leaving read receipts off for a while and uh, and see how that feels. Uh, or even muting threads. Like we all have those like noisy family iMessage threads. Messages lets you... Uh, mute those. You can go into the detail view and you can set do not disturb on an individual person or a thread. And that has been a lifesaver for me. My wife's entire family communicates via iMessage. And like leading up to Father's Day, for example, it was chaos. And I was like, well, I'm just going to put this thread on do not disturb and I'll catch up on it in an hour when people have decided what we're doing. (laughs) And uh, that can be a real lifesaver too. Yeah. And and I do think it's interesting you were talking about um, different generations. Like when you were saying that, I was thinking my parents' generation, uh, they wrote each other letters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I 
when my parents died, I found all these love letters. And then my uh, my generation, it was the telephone. I mean, in the 70s, it was every family had a telephone with like a 20 foot long cord on it. You know, some people listening to the show are just rolling their eyes right now. And some people are like remembering this, you know, but yeah, you had a, you had a telephone in the house, like a 20 foot long cord. And if there's a teenager in the house, at some point, the cord would go from the wall to a closet or some other place in the house where they'd be in there on the phone. Uh, talking to their friends or boyfriends or girlfriends, and that was how they got privacy. You you just saw a cord stretched into a room with the door shut, you know. And uh, then you know the new new generation is text messaging. I can't. I have to wonder what my kids kids will uh, you know <laughs> with the next you know. I mean the neural implants or whatever. There's but, no telling. But but the interesting thing is you lose a degree of. Um, emotion out of this new communication device with messages. I, this is the point I guess I'm getting to is, is even though text messaging is great and it's superior in many ways, it's also inferior yes. in the idea of context. And you can solve that with some of the issues like emoji. I, you know, Katie and I used to always battle about emoji, but I do think they serve a role. Um, when I send a question to somebody and I put an emoji to it, a lot of times it helps get across whether it's urgent or not urgent or whether, you know, if whether I'm mad about them not answering my question or I'm just, you know, asking mm -hmm. them or, you know, you can actually convey a certain degree of emotion through emoji and some of the other stuff Apple's added. And I think you should use those tools, but you should also be aware of when those tools are not sufficient. And, and even you and I have had conversations or messages or Slack where at some point, and I'm usually the one to initiate it to say, hey, can we just get on the phone real quick, you know? Yep. And um and a lot of times you'll find out that you've started a conversation in in one mode in in messaging that that needs to go to some other mode. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. I find myself doing that sometimes with work if we're in Slack, talk, I'm talking to somebody and it's getting complicated or you know, I feel like there's there's a gap in our communications. Like, hey, you know, just I'm going to hit the phone icon and pick up and we'll just talk about this for 30 seconds and kind of clear the air. And that could be a really uh, a, a really useful tool. Again, it's not one that comes naturally to all people. It certainly doesn't come naturally to me, but it it's good that you can kind of fall back to those other those other methods. And I think, you know, even in talking about any of this, right, there are things where someone in real life says, hey, can I ask you about this? And I say, hey, email me. Or on occasion, you know, a family member will want something complex via a phone call. Like, what, just you know, send me a text or send me an email so I have what you want in writing and then I can then I can work on it. I'm not afraid to move between mediums when I need to. I, sh I should be better at it, to your point. But I think that that's something uh, – I don't think we, any of us should feel locked in the communication sort of mechanism that the conversation started in if the conversation is better suited elsewhere. I think that's totally fine. I think most people get it. I think most people – would understand that, hey, we need to, to shift gears a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong wrong with that at all. Yeah, Rosemary Orchard and I have a shorthand where, it could, like when we're doing automators planning or just maybe just talking about life, if we get to a point where one of us says, you want to do a call, if the other person is available, they just call. <laughs> you know, <laughs> She's in Vienna, so we have to do a FaceTime audio. We can't do a telephone call. But so if one person asks and the other person's available, we don't even text anymore. It's just the call comes through. And I don't know how we got started doing that, but it's nice. You know, it's kind of a shorthand way to get to, to transition. This episode of the Mac Power Users is also brought to you by 1Password. 1Password is an app and a service built for today's world, a world where we have 
countless online accounts. We have online banking to Twitter and everything in between. And no matter what end of the spectrum a password or account is on, they all deserve to have their own unique password because that's what keeps us safe online. That's where one password comes in. It can create strong, unique passwords uh, that you don't have to remember because if you log in with one password, whether it be on the Mac, uh, whether it be on an, an iPad with Touch ID or an iPhone with Face ID, all your passwords are there, safe and secure, just waiting to be deployed by you. You don't have to have them in your head because one password, uh, it's got them all ready for you, uh, ready to jump into action <laughs> at any time. Uh, Agile Bits, the company behind one password, does so much to prepare their customers uh, for challenges they may see out in the world. And this month, uh, during June, they are having a webinar series about business security. So if you have, uh, if you're like me and you have employees and you have team members uh, and you got to share passwords between them. And of course, one password for teams is a great way to do that. That's what we use at Relay. Uh, but there's a lot of like everyday nuts and bolts type of stuff that goes into security. Uh, Things like, how do you handle if you have a a data breach? How do you communicate with your employees about how they're uh, saving their passwords, how they're sharing those passwords? And this webinar series is doing a great job walking through some of those things. You know, what happens if a uh, employee somewhere gets uh, malware on the notebook? Do you have a plan for that? That's not necessarily password management, but it's security management. And 1Password cares about that too. Of course, 1Password works on a wide range of devices, like I said. So I can go from my iPad to my iPhone to the web to my Mac and back and have my passwords with me. One thing I just added to my 1Password just the other day, my license plate renewal came up. And I realized that I actually didn't have the VIN number of my truck written down anywhere, which is handy if you need a repair or something happens to it. It's a good number to have around. So I created a new secure note in 1Password, truck, you know, year, make and model, the VIN number, my license plate number, and then the date of my registration. So next time I need a little bit of that information, I have it safe and secure in 1Password in that secure notes section. It's super flexible for all sorts of things. Head on over to onepassword.com slash MPU to learn more. You can learn about uh, personal accounts or if you have a team or one password for families, which I use at home to share this information with my wife. So that that VIN number note I just created, that's in a shared vault. So if my wife needs that information, she has it too. So you can learn about all that stuff at onepassword.com slash MPU, and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial. When you do sign up, you'll get 20% off. Once again, that's onepassword.com slash MPU. You know, uh, something I've become way more intentional about the last couple of years is um, separate platforms for specific types of communications. You know, I think partly because of the problems with clients and text messages, I began to look for just additional places to go. And for instance, Relay, uh, your company, uh, has a very successful Slack installation where all of the hosts and the people who do the backend administration, and we all have this watering hole we can go around for communications related to the business of making podcasts for Relay. Yeah, it, it has become it has become my workplace, <laughs> really. You know, if, if Slack is open on my computer, I'm at work, and it is. Uh, it's really nice to have a single location where this used to be scattered across email accounts and iMessage and everything else. 
Yeah, it's great. And, uh, and I like it. And, you know, I've got some other Slack installations. I, at one point, I toyed with the idea of putting the law practice on Slack. And, I, and I've been, you know, talking off and on about Basecamp on the show now for a few months. Mm-hmm. But uh, the reason why I went Basecamp is that you can create basically a separate project for each client or in each client matter. And there's it, it's kind of built in a way that's very easy to isolate different things. So like client A doesn't have a shared room with client B you right. know, and, and everything's kept independent and it works great for that. And, but that's become a separate bucket for me and it's much easier to track and manage projects through Basecamp communications than it is through text messages. So, you know, it's kind of a successful bucket for that kind of stuff for me. I've also moved a lot of the Max Barkey production stuff in there. Um, the editorial management and the field guide, kind of back in because I have people helping me with parts of that now. And it's an, you know, it, it was an expensive investment. It's a thousand dollars to get a base camp for a year. That's their, it's like a one price fits all, but, but because I have it, I use it for a lot of things and mm-hmm. um, I'll probably renew it. I, I wasn't sure if I would, but I've got enough clients using it now. It's good. I'm doing enough back end stuff. And honestly, the take through part of it is I really like the team, the people that make base camp. Um, I really like, what they do. I don't know how else to put it. Um, so, <laughs> well, I think I've read their books and I just think it's a, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> like there's a yeah. cool company, right? I think something like Slack or Basecamp, those are good options when email and messaging services aren't, aren't meeting your needs. You know, Basecamp, like you said, it's, it's project oriented. So it's not so much the river of conversation that is the relay Slack. And really Slack gives you yeah. tools to divert that river into various channels. You know, it's like I have podcasts here and a podcast there, but everyone is sort of in the same body of water. This analogy is really working well for me. Okay. <laughs> just just keep just keep riding the wave. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, we're good. <laughs> but it's hard to break that into projects. And you would in Slack, the way you do it is you create a room and you kind of say the conversation is limited to this scope, but it doesn't really work as well something like base camp but you know slack meets the needs that we had at relay and you know i i am in a bunch of slacks like i've been in them for uh, a wedding i was in a couple years ago where i was a groomsman all the wedding planning was in slack and there was a room for everybody and then there was a room for the groomsmen you know room for the bachelor party people uh room for the bridesmaids and then room for people helping clean up afterwards and it was great because instead of having a bunch of emails that people don't look at or a bunch of text messages you can't keep up with, it was all kind of in one place. And I find those uses for things like Slack or other options really interesting. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a great way to communicate with 30 people about a wedding. And uh, I think people who are using Slack outside of, oh, we have a business and we've talked with our you know, coworkers. That's some of the most interesting stuff happening on Slack's platform, I think. No, I agree. I, I think it's really good for, I guess, for lack of a better term, herding cats. You know, when you've got a bunch of people and it's very easy to go off on tangents, you can create little side rooms for those tangents, but also keep the main thread going forward and mm-hmm. keep the work getting done. And uh, in addition to using it for work, I think they could be good for social uh, things as well. But you're right there. In my head, there's a clear distinction between the type of project management I can do in Basecamp versus the type of ongoing communication I can do sure. in Slack. Like like you and I plan the shows outside of Slack. We talk about planning in Slack, but we do the actual outlining somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you're looking for that place to have the communication lines open, um, that's what it's good at. It's far superior to trying to do this in messaging. Um, creates a record. Uh, it just, I mean, you can, it's just, 
it's superior in almost every way for like that type of communication. We've talked about this before, but you can bring in data and like other information from outside websites into Slack. So if you are working with a team on social media and you want a record of all the tweets that get sent out by the company, whatever, you can you can bring those into Slack and into the conversation. And that's something that other things just can't do. Like you're not going to get that in, in mail or, or something else. Yeah. And so it's one area that Slack kind of stands above the rest, I think. Yeah, there's a reason why they're so successful. Yeah, yeah, very successful. Uh, a, a couple others I just wanted to, to mention briefly that I use. Uh, one is GroupMe. It was independent, but Microsoft bought it a couple years ago. And it's similar to iMessage in the sense that it's it's mostly text-based and it's cross-platform. So you can install GroupMe on uh, an iPhone or an Android phone. And they have a website that's that's pretty, it's pretty okay. And uh, I use that for a group of friends in real life. They were kind of using it for something else. And we just sort of ended up there together. I can attach images and do all the kind of iMessagey type stuff. It does have a couple neat features though. You can create polls within GroupMe to say, hey, we're going to go to dinner. Do we want tacos or do we want to go to Waffle House? And you can kind of vote there in a poll. Um, you can favor items for later. So it has some nice stuff even above iMessage. But uh, it's an alternative that I think I think is actually pretty popular. I think a lot of people are actually using GroupMe because people want the iMessage sort of functionality where, you know, Android is kind of stuck with SMS. And Google has really struggled with having a, a decent chat platform. They've launched several, and they've, they've really struggled with something good cross-platform. So I think GroupMe is kind of in that space where if your group of people is kind of like half and half between iPhone and Android, GroupMe kind of rides above that divide really nicely. And so it's one that may not be for everybody, but it's an alternative out there. And and then, of course, there's Skype, which I use for podcasting. You and I are talking via Skype right now. Skype has text chat and a bunch of other stuff. I, I basically just use it for podcasting. But again, I know other people who use Skype as if it's their telephone number or who do use it to talk to people directly via text uh, messaging type stuff within Skype. So uh, another option out there if you need, you know, maybe you need VoIP calls, but not on FaceTime, you know, uh, Skype's on iOS and, and it's it's pretty okay on iOS. So you have some options there as well. Yeah, there's really, we're only at the tip of the iceberg. There is- We could go forever. A seemingly unlimited number of communications platforms out there. Some of them are are startups that are just trying to build a big audience. Some of them are very custom solutions designed with a particular type of, you know, maybe it's a security focus or an encryption focus, or maybe it's a something where you can draw pictures or play checkers. Well, you know, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that people are trying to do right now to make communication easier. And with all these phones in our pockets, you know, there's an obvious market. Sure. I mean, we mentioned WhatsApp, for instance, which is hugely popular, bought by Facebook a couple of years ago. And it is the platform in a lot of places in the world. You know, just like in the in the AOL instant messenger days, you know, Europe was using MSN. I don't know how that happened, but that's what happened and and people sort of live within that. Um, and then you have Facebook Messenger and people message each other on Instagram. A lot of these companies have messaging platforms as a sort of an addition to their their main product. I mean really, you know, you could say that about Apple too. And uh, there's lots of options. Again, it's kind of depending on what system your people are using, you know, the friends and, and family members you want to talk to. But something too to consider, and this is a bigger topic, but something to consider is, uh, well, what about, you know, what about security? Are these things end-to-end -end encrypted? Uh, not all of them are. 
And that's something to consider, you know, if, if you want or, or need that sort of security. I do. That's one reason I try to use iMessage above almost anything else for my personal work is that I want that stuff to be ended and encrypted. I don't want, you know, governments or other people snooping in on that. And that's not true of every option. Um, it's being added to many. WhatsApp has it and others have added it. But that's something to look at, too, is like, what is the security story with this with the service? Because, you know, we share personal data on these all the time. And it's an important thing to look at. I agree. I agree. Let's talk a little bit about controlling because we've talked about these forms of communication we're using. But, you know, the underlying problem is how intrusive they can become in your life. The more of these you adopt. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about controlling notifications for a little bit. Okay, yeah, this is a, a deal where it's very dependent on the device you're on. So there's three knowledge base articles in the show notes: one for iOS, one for Apple Watch. I think I get one three for Mac beats. OS. You get three. Looking bells, right? at your, I was kind of waiting. Like, is he going to ring it? You can set your notifications up independently on your devices, and of course, if you have an Apple Watch, you can do some neat things. Of I don't want this to go to the watch, just the phone, or, or vice versa. So I'll have those links in the show notes. I think the biggest question here, uh, for me at least, the, the way I think about it is, does this platform and do the, the conversations I have on it, do they, do they have a right to interrupt my day? Do they have enough importance to interject themselves? And the answer for me at least for a lot of them is no. And so while I have in Slack, I'm in a bunch of channels, only a few of them notify me when anything happens in them. And, and a, a bigger set have me notified when my name is mentioned. And some of them I'll just see when I open Slack because they're just not as important. Yeah. Mail VIP, another <laughs> being another huge example, right? I don't want iPhone notifications for the, you know, 100 emails I get a day. I just want them for the four or five people that are the most important. And, uh, and so everything else falls, you know, falls into my inbox and I'll see it when I see it. So I think that's the question. Does this have? And just so we're clear, I am. I'm one of yes, those four. Yes, you are in it. I feel. I feel like you don't believe me that I said I added you to it. You know, I don't. I, no, I, just, I don't know how I prove it. I want to be one of your four, man. I want to be <laughs> one of your four. And I don't think you should let anybody else in. Mm, no, the door closed behind you. I see. Yeah, like is Federico on your list? I don't think you should let him in at this point. I don't want to answer that. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he is. Um, <laughs> I, I, do, I, I do have a rant. Um, okay. Okay. I think that notifications is one of the easiest things to complain about. And I do think it's one of the most solvable problems. Now, dear listener, you're listening right now. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you're pulling weeds. I don't know what you're doing. But the um, uh, if you can safely right now, I want you to tie a little string around your finger or put a rubber band around your wrist. I want you to give yourself a reminder that later today or tomorrow, you're going to audit your notifications on your iOS thingies. Mm. Just do that for us. Do it for us. We are going to make an improvement to your life right now because this is the easiest thing to solve. And it's the thing that I find so many people never bother to do. And part of it is this inflation of notifications. You get a new app, it says, hey, can I give you notifications? Because Apple makes them ask. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're a new app. You're going to help me out a lot. I, I'm cool. You can notify me, right? And then and then you add another one the next day. And suddenly you've got all these things notifying you. And, and you talked about notifications. I like to think about it as a person walking into your office and tapping you on the shoulder. That's about what it is, right? It's not 
This is not a trivial thing when you get these notifications. So instead, go through, get out your machete and like just stop it. Just go through all of the ones that don't need to notify you. I love what Steven's doing with Slack. In fact, I need to get better at that one about really trimming the, the actual rooms that can notify me. But so often it's all these apps, you know, you don't need to know, you know, every time something changes in the news, unless it's really part of your job, you can check that later, mm -hmm. you know, go through and, and just, just go at it gang. Just, I mean, it takes literally like, I would say somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes and they've made it so much easier now on iOS to, to, to tame these notifications, but you could, and just like that little amount of time, you will increase the value of your phone and your watch and your iPad to you exponentially because then the notifications that come to you are ones that actually matter because what's happening now for most people is they get so much, so many garbage notifications that they don't even notice the important ones. So you might as well have no notifications turned on for the good it's doing you. But if you just trim it down to, you know, like Steven, he's got, the special people in his life on, you know, on mail, only the most important people in his life, <laughs> you know, but you should do that too, yeah. right. For your messages and everything. And, uh, and look, I do this and I have to go through and do it every, you know, six months or so, you know, because I do get the creep, you know, the creep when you install new apps and I'll catch myself realizing, Oh, wait a second, I'm getting too many notifications again. Mm -hmm. But every time I trim that list out and just get the ones that are really important, it's like having a new phone. It's like, I mean, it's such an improvement to the utility. How's that for a soapbox? No, it's good. I think I think I even need, <laughs> needed to hear it. When an iOS app asks you permission, hey, I want to send you notifications, my default is no. And uh, and that alone just keeps new stuff from, from coming into the system. It's hard for me, man. It's hard for me. They're new apps. I think it's going to solve all my problems. Yeah, it's never going to solve your problems. Uh, and then if I need it later or I realize that, oh, okay, I see how this app works. I see what it wants to do. Then I, I give it a shot. It's just something that takes some some tending. I like that, I like that challenge to... Uh, to go through and to prune every once in a while. And I think that's even something you could have in, in, as a repeating task, you know, once a quarter, once every six months. Go through there and check those things because they build up over time. And uh, I will say iOS is a, a – there's a lot of options. So you can deliver quietly. So it's just in your – the pull-down, like, notification screen and not on your lock screen. You can say badges, no badges, sounds, no sounds. There's lots of options. And on the Mac, most of those options exist, I think, in on in Mac OS, it's a little more clunky to adjust those things, but uh, you can do it there too. You know, if, if you're tired of those banners coming in the upper right hand corner while you work, go into notifications and system preferences and and look around and see what you can what you can pair back. And uh, the 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 result of it is not that you're gonna have fear of missing out. The the result for me 100 percent of the time is I have more focused work time. And those things are, will be waiting for me when I go uh, make my rounds. And, uh, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Instead of playing Crossy Road, let's make an imaginary game in your head. We're going to call it a Notificationator. Mm, How's that? I like that. All right. It's already in your, you don't have to install it. It's already on your device. All you got to do is go to the notification screen and see how many you can kill in, you know, five minute <laughs> session. That's great.
I'm going to get a high score this week, man. Okay. I'm going to go through and, and knock down a bunch of them. But, but it, and it, it is a thing that you, you get that benefit, but then you, you, dr- I, I know I drift back into getting too many notifications. So, so think about it. And I, one of the things they do with iOS now is you can actually kill the notification at the notification level, just swipe all the way across mm-hmm. and you can kill it right there as they come in. So you can be playing that game all day. It's, it's a good game. I like that. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Text Expander is the app that allows you to type just a few characters in on your keyboard and have it autofill to a bunch of text, but it's just so much more. In fact, uh, without realizing Text Expander was a sponsor today, I've already referred to them two or three times in the show with cool Text Expander snippets that I've, I've written and published. Because with Text Expander, you don't just fill in your cell phone number, although you can do that. You can also run scripts and automate your devices. It's now available for the Mac OS, Windows, iPhone, iPad, and now Chrome. Uh, it makes editing snippets even easier with their new visual snippet editor. I was just talking to someone at WWDC that had a snippet, and then they were saying, the only problem with my snippet is I have to go in and add the date every time I create it. I'm like, wait a second, you don't need to do that. Text Expander has these great tokens. You can put in, puts in the current date and month or time or whatever you want. When I send out my invoices for my law practice, the subject line always says, Sparks Law Invoice. June 2019. You think I'm typing June 2019? <laughs> I'm not a sucker. I, I have a text expander doing that for Good. me. You know? Yeah. So the snippets work everywhere you type. So you can use it in your email, Word. You can use it in Slack, Stephen. Uh, you can use it with your web browsers and more. A bunch of companies use Text Expander for Teams. I heard from some listeners up at WWDC that are successfully using a company account with Text Expander, and they've automated all their customer support. So every person that gets a customer support email gets the email text that's written by their best writers. And when they make updates, it just automatically updates everywhere throughout the company. They love it. Super useful. Um, if you love telling people about Text Expander, they now have an affiliate program, so you can earn a little extra. Share the love. Get some cash for that. And uh, show listeners get 20% off their first year. So go over to TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. It's a great company with an amazing product. Um, also check out some of their cool web posts. They've, they've been doing a lot of posts lately about good ways of using it. Uh, lately, they did a presenter series uh, about coding in front of people. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. I just love Text Expander. I use it all the time. It's If I have a device without it turned on, I feel like I've got one of my hands tied behind my back. I even sometimes catch myself wanting to handwrite Text Expander snippets because I've been doing it so long. It doesn't work, unfortunately, but yeah, that's my problem. Either way, go check out Text Expander, uh, the original sponsor of the Mac Power Users, and a great service. Thank you, Text Expander, for all of your support. So we, we spoke about notifications, but there are times where we want to have no notifications. We want to, them all to go away, and that brings in Do Not Disturb, which is a feature. I don't, I don't even know how long it's been, it's been around. It's been around a long time on iOS. It's part of the Mac now as well that can mute your notifications for uh, a set period of time. And before we kind of get into the the nitty gritty of it, I wonder what you think about this. This seems like something that you would be into big time. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I have a I have a podcast called Focused, so that gives you an idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, and this has been kind of an underlying theme of this whole episode, is that digital communications are great, but universal digital communications anytime you want it is is madness. You know, um, you still need time uh, for deep work. There's this great book by Cal Newport called Deep Work, and I totally believe the premise of the book is that going forward, people who can actually spend blocks of time doing hard work in this age of interruption are the, are the people who are going to succeed. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to convince my teenagers to read this book and understand what it, what it's telling them, but it's so true. And all the stuff we've been talking today, all the cool stuff you can do with communications can be an interruption for that. So uh, do not disturb for me is something that it's a necessary tool I'm glad Apple has continued to make it stronger because you can put a blackout in communications in your day. And I do it surprisingly often where uh, I just need to get stuff done. And this do not disturb feature, if you're not using it, uh, you're you're missing out because this is a great way to kind of cut yourself off from the world once in a while and do your deep work. It's kind of like the in the old days where you would go and shut your office door. And people yeah. wouldn't come in and bother you. And now in our virtual work environments or our, our mixed uh, environments, it is a great way to to shut the, the world uh, away. And so there there are a couple of ways you can do this. Of course, you can just go in and, and turn it on in Control Center and just you know turn it off manually if you want. But iOS does have some nice options. You can set it for uh, one hour. All these are, by the way, are hidden under the like 3D touch force touch, haptic touch, depending on what device you have. Long, long press in iOS 13, yeah. it's going to be a long press yeah. now. So, um, but, but, you know, just, I don't want this to be taken lightly. You know, Steven said, you can do it anytime from control center. You can do it anytime <laughs> from control center. Think about that, right? I mean, the next time you've got, you got to get your report done for work or you promise a client something or you're writing something to turn into school and you're on a deadline anytime you want gang swipe down to control center or up depending on your device and just tap that D D button mm-hmm. just tap it it's great it's like the world is off of your back you know and and, and right so you long press it uh i think this started with ios 12 or 11 but it's great because you know, the, the problem, the, I think one point of resistance people have is, well, I'll press it, then I'll forget to unpress right. it. And then important calls will come through and I'll forget to take them. But you can say, no, just give me an hour or say until this evening or until I leave this location. You're walking into the movies. Don't be that guy with your phone going off in the movies. Just just hit the D&D button and say until I leave this location. And then when you walk away, the robots in your phone will say, ah, oh, he's no longer at the movies. Turn it off, you know. Uh, or, or the one I really like is until the end of the calendar event. If you like to use your calendar, you do block scheduling like me, um, just set it. Okay. I've got a two hour block here to do substantive work uh, until that blocks over D and D is on. I use that one every day. That's, that's a nice feature. And iOS will do what it can to surface those on the lock screen in the series suggestions. Like, Oh, it looks like you're having an event. Do you want to enable do not disturb until it's over? In my experience, I've had very, mixed luck with those appearing. I, I don't I don't know how to, to make them appear. They seem to, to come and go as they wish. 
but yeah, it's not aggressive enough. I wish that it was more. I, yeah, I do too. I wish the system threw that at you more often. That just doesn't do it enough. Yeah, and it, it may be that my location doesn't change very much, and so it's got less to kind of learn what I'm doing. But in fact, the only time I really see it consistently is if I go see a movie. My my phone will buzz in my pocket, and I pull it out like, oh, do you want to have you not disturb on till the end of you know Captain Marvel? Say, yes, I do. Thank you, iPhone. So it is nice yeah. uh, when it happens. There's a link in the in the show notes as well to a Siri shortcut that was put together by Federico uh, that basically puts some of this stuff into a shortcut and you can go in there and customize it. And one thing he has in there that's nice is set an end time. Uh, you can do that in the iOS settings. You can set D&D by schedule. So enter do not disturb at 10 p.m. and exit it at 6 a.m. But that's every day. So if you if you need something a little more flexible, this shortcut can really really come in handy. This is an area I really wish the Mac would catch up on. Uh, the Mac yeah. has b- basically very, in some ways, very similar options. So you have a schedule, you, but you have some Mac-specific stuff too. You can say when the display is sleeping. A huge one is when mirroring to TVs and projectors. So if you're projecting in front of a boardroom, your you know spouse doesn't send you something embarrassing. And uh, yeah. that could be a real lifesaver. But I wish the Mac had some more options around the the calendar stuff in particular. And, and it's my point of view as a Mac-centric worker. But it'd be great if my Mac could just kind of kind of come in and out, do not disturb as things pass on my calendar. And maybe that'll be uh, something that we see in the future. It's, it's not here as of today. Yeah, you can do some of it through Keyboard Maestro, but it doesn't have that vital trigger of set do not disturb on. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have access to that. Um, but the um, but on iOS, and, and we, I, I guess I'm doing a lot of cross-promotion today, but on Automators, we did a show up in San Jose. And one of the amazing things about the next version of Series Shortcuts is there are so many triggers now that allow you to work on location and like plugging into CarPlay and like, and you do have the ability to turn on do not disturb automatically through Siri shortcuts. So um, if you start thinking about this, you can actually get very granular and automatic with this stuff, Mm -hmm. which is great, which is great. But, but, you know, getting back to the beginning of this segment, all you got to do is swipe takes a second. And if you're going to, you know, if you're going to change modes, you can do this with a swipe mm-hmm. and it really makes a difference. I think this is even, you know, as, as few people that prune their notifications, I think even fewer people use strategic use of do not disturb to get their work done. And, you know, Apple's given us the tools, gang, let's use them. You have options and do not disturb for phone calls. So you could say no phone calls come through. Only my favorites come through. You have what's repeated calls. And so this takes care of sort of the nightmare scenario where you've put do not disturb on and someone you don't know is trying to get a hold of you, you know, God forbid a police officer fire, you know, so I always like think worst case, but uh, if they call you twice within a a matter of minutes, then it will come through. So you have some, some really uh, nice options around that. And then you have do not disturb while driving, which is, is do not disturb for your phone, but instead of based instead of being based on calendar or location or whatever, it's like, hey, if I think you're driving, go into do not disturb mode. And you have three settings. You have automatic, you have when connected to car Bluetooth, and then you have a, a manual toggle. And I would say with this that the manual toggle, for me at least, is basically useless because I'm, I'm just not going to remember to do it. But um, connecting to car Bluetooth is really nice. Uh, I have a story about this. 
when car, when Do Not Disturb when driving first came out, I had it set to automatic. You run into a couple of issues with this. One, if you're a passenger in a car, it would put your phone in Do yeah. Not Disturb, right? Because it yeah, if you if you're driving the Bluetooth, yeah, 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 because it's you know I'm in the passenger seat. Yeah. It thinks I'm. Yeah. It thinks I'm in a car. It knows I'm in a car based on speed and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I used to trip it while riding my road bike. So I would be out pedaling away and I'd cross whatever speed threshold it thought it was in and my phone would never do not disturb. Yeah. And uh, then I'd, you know, miss a phone call or something. So when connected to car Bluetooth, I think is the is the nice middle ground here where most of the time if you're driving, you're in your car, you connect to it, it will enter that do not disturb. You can have it send a message replies. So someone sends you an iMessage or text message the system will reply saying, oh, I'm driving. I'll let you know when I get there. Yeah, you can turn that on and off. There's some options in there. But it's a really nice feature. Fiddling with our phones in the car, we all know it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, Apple even has a, a feature where if a phone is under parental control, so if you have a 16-year-old driver, you can enforce do not disturb while driving, and they can't turn it off, uh, which is an excellent feature in Apple's part. Yeah. Out of all of this stuff, this is the one I've really – there's a lot of good stuff to harp on in this episode. This is the one that can like actually save your life, like actually make a, a real difference in people's lives. It's one that I encouraged all my friends and family when this rolled out, turn this switch on and you know what? No text message is worth uh, putting yourself or others in danger. What, one of the nice, cause I got a CarPlay unit. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think, didn't I just see a tweet somewhere where you were putting one in? Uh, I've had it in for like six months, but yeah, I've got, I've, okay. yeah. Okay. But with mine, it's, you know, you have to plug in the lightning port. Yeah, I, I guess they've got some now that you don't, but mine does require that. And the lightning, the plug is in the console, you know, the thing under your your elbow, you know, where you mm-hmm. put your tissues and your sunglasses. So I plug my phone in and just drop it in there and I shut the lid on it. So, um, and CarPlay is good enough that that's fine. I don't need to, you know, have a, um, I don't need to see my phone. I think that's actually safer. Mm-hmm. It is because it's literally out of sight. I can't do anything with it. But another interesting use for CarPlay. Now, let's just say hypothetically, you've got a client that doesn't know how to take no for an answer, right? And uh, you put it on Do Not Disturb, but they still just keep texting you for some reason. Let's say that hypothetically, you turn on Do Not Disturb while driving while you're sitting at your desk, <laughs> but they get the auto responder saying, "Hey, I'm driving right now and I can't message." That does seem hypothetically to stop repeated messages from certain people. Hmm. Just, just saying. I feel like you've blown your cover hypothetically. Well, hypothetically, I don't think that person is uh, even a Mac user, so I'm probably <laughs> safe. Oh, that's great. So let, let's let's wind this out talking about platforms a little bit. We we talked about how yeah. these the context is different with the device you're in front of. We want our phone to act differently than our iPad, than differently than our Mac. Uh, you spoke about email not happening on your iPhone anymore. We haven't really talked about the Apple Watch, and part of that is me not being an Apple Watch user. But no, I, h- how do you view this platform angle? I, I think the Apple Watch is inherent in this stuff for me. I get that's where the notifications show up. It's great. I look down, like I talked about how on Father's Day I was getting the messages from the client. I wasn't pulling my phone out of my pocket. I would just see the taps on my wrist, and I'd look at them and just ignore them. Um, the, uh, so I think Apple watch is great. It's a great communication device. If, if you're, you know, just part and parcel of the phone for me, it's one of the reasons why I feel like I can carry the bigger phone because it's, it's not as, you know, difficult because I'm not yanking it out of my pocket every five minutes. Mm -hmm. I've got the notifications coming in on the watch. 
Um, so I, yeah, it's a big deal for me. I, I think it's one of the selling points of the Apple watch for me personally, it's the, it's the health and wellness and it's the, the notification stuff. I love it. Something we haven't talked about at all. We didn't even do a segment on how do we do phone calls? Isn't that kind of funny? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did mention phones a few times, but, but, uh, iOS 13 is going to have a feature where you can just send messages or phone calls from unidentified numbers straight to message. Yes, please. And I'm probably going to have that turned on. Um, some of my day job stuff, that may be an issue, but you know, even when call, that's what I do now. Honestly, when a call comes in, I don't recognize there's not a name attached to it. I let it go to message. And if it's somebody, I check the messages and if it's somebody I should have taken, I set up their phone number. So that doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I use the phone a lot because in the, the law job, I negotiate contracts, talk to people, blah, blah, blah. A lot of that you need a phone for. Um, I love the AirPods for that, by the way. Um, so I'm on the phone quite a bit, but um, but in terms of digital communications, I, I still am very um, careful about getting caught up on the phone and trying. I try to avoid a lot of the calls. Yes, yeah, I, I don't do many. It's parents and in-laws, and I have a standing phone call with Mike once a week. But past that, you know, I, I'm definitely not opposed to a phone call. Like and I think a lot of people my age and especially younger are like they're are allergic to it. I'm not that way, but it's it's my, it's not my default, and it's not something that I really think about much in terms of being a problem because I do so little of it. And, and beyond that, I'm not really uh, platform specific. I remember listening to an episode of Cortex once where Gray was talking about how he only does certain types of communications on certain devices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and his head that allows him to kind of segregate things. Uh, you know, if I have, you know, you turned on as a notification in Slack, whether I'm on my Mac or my iPad or my phone, it doesn't matter. I'll, you know, I'll deal with it wherever it comes in. If it's, if it's something that breaks through the system, I won't wait until I'm on a specific platform to deal with it. One thing I would say that I'm disappointed with is the iPhone integration with the Mac, because I sit at my desk most of the day, most days, and I work on this beautiful iMac and phone calls come in all the time. And every once in a while, I'm like, okay, well, this will be the day that I start answering calls just on my Mac. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes so much sense. Your hand is on the keyboard. The call comes in. It gives you the, the, the little drop in. I just click accept. And then in theory, my microphone, I've got a very fancy microphone attached to my Mac. And so it should be a very good quality call. And the person's voice comes through my speakers and Apple's got, in theory, got it all figured out. And I do this on the iPad all the time and it works no problem. There's never an issue. But whenever I do it on the Mac, it never works. There's some kind of delay or some problem with that protocol where the person I'm talking to doesn't hear me or the communication is delayed. I, I never can seem to do a successful phone call on the Mac and that makes me sad. I've had a lot of trouble with it as well. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. Uh, most of the time, if I'm if I'm going to have a phone call, I keep my AirPods at my desk and yeah. really for a phone call. So if someone calls me, I can just pop those in. And the new ones, man, they, they pair so quickly, I can, I can get them in my ears and, and answer the phone pretty seamlessly. So I've kind of given up yeah. on that. I, I agree with you. I wish it was better. Yeah, me too. I, that's exactly the way I solve the problem as well. And, and I even use on occasion, like if I'm – Sometimes when I'm working on something complicated with a client, I will have, um, I'll get a piece of big paper out and I'll start mapping it out or do, I'm doing stuff, right? And uh, 
uh, I, I will use the HomePod. And the HomePod does fine with phone calls. You know, you can do a, a voice call through a HomePod and there's no delay and it's fine. It's just like having a really nice speakerphone in your office. But just the Mac, just for whatever reason, I, I haven't got the uh, beta running on anything for Catalina. Maybe that's improved, but I'm not holding my breath. They didn't say anything about it. Uh, who knows? Now, aren't you running the Catalina beta on one of your Macs? I am on a uh, 12-inch MacBook. That's as far yeah. as it's gotten. I have not put it into uh, into production. That MacBook is like a – well, there's nothing on it. Basically, it's just a Catalina yeah. install. Uh, so I'm slowly exploring it. Next time we do a feedback show, we're going to have to talk about betas. By then, I'll have several more installed, and we can share more. Y- yeah, the public beta should be here pretty soon, and that's when I'll put, the, I'll put it on my iPad. And uh, my production Macs won't see it until probably till the end of August, just with some work travel I have where I need a laptop to record on stage, like got to be bulletproof. (laughs) So uh, it'll be a little later for me than normal, but this 12 inch MacBook will do fine for now. I'll probably wait to put on my iMac till you 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 allow me to <laughs> till I get permission from Steven. Right, yeah, I'm the gatekeeper <laughs> to Catalina. I will say, even though this is off topic, the iPad is a lot better with iOS 13. I'll just leave it at oh, that. Boy. Oh boy, <laughs> we're at the end of an hour and a half here, but we'll pick that back up later. <laughs> yeah, because I do want to talk about that. Whew, I feel like we've communicated a lot about communication. Yes, we have. <laughs> and hopefully, if you're listening, you've got a few tips that can help you out. Uh, uh, takeaways, I would really encourage you to spend time on those notifications and don't be afraid to swipe down and hit that D&D button. Just try it. It's, it's empowering. All right. Well, thanks to our sponsors for today's show. That's our friends over at Squarespace, Once Password and Smile. We're the Mac Power users, and we'll see you next week.